In today's show, we're looking at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball ads and drops and all of that stuff, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball as well as TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and Substack at JoshLloyd48.Substack.com. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here for another week. It's week eight. So we're looking at the waiver wire. About guys we can add, guys that we can drop. This is never an exhaustive list. I cover about 40 names or 50 names or so on this show, just talking about relative statuses of them. But there's going to be the occasional guy that that I don't include or don't have room to include, and that doesn't preclude them from being, or oh, they might be available in your league, but they don't meet my threshold of being an, ava- an available waiver player, which happens all the time. It happened yesterday on one of my shows, the waiver wire streaming show for Sunday. Someone said, hey, how come you're not streaming in bowl for blocks? Well, because he's rostered everywhere. Because that that's why. But if he's not rostered in your league, I don't know what's going on in your league. But that means grab him. Like I, But I can't account for every vagary of league that way. So, in saying all of that, let's talk waiver wire. Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> the most added players. These are over the last 48 hours. I've looked at this data here. Number one most added player was pretty surprising to me. It's Kevin Love. Um, I, I know he's back. He's playing through that thumb injury. Um, Jared Allen is out, so that sort of helps Kevin Love. Is this is it name brand appeal? I don't I don't get it. Like it was it, his first game was great, right? Eleven and eleven is a pretty good game. Fifty seven percent shooting, it's great. But twenty three minutes. This is just what he's going to do. I I don't see this gigantic appeal of Love, who's averaging ten and seven with two threes for the season on forty three percent shooting. I don't get it. Okay, there's some schedule-based stuff that you know, can always account for these things that are, that are vague to me or, or weird to me. I just wouldn't prioritize. I just don't. It's like, to me, having Harrison Barnes. Like, where is the upside? Is Kevin Love going to blow up an average 20 and 14? Well, it's not 2013 anymore. He's not going to do that. He's not going to play 30 minutes a night and put up those sort of numbers. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So I don't see why... Everyone, or not everyone, but yeah, he is being like it's his advanced roster percentage is up thirty-two percent. I, I, I honestly don't get it. Maybe some of it is streaming in for Sunday. The Cavs play. Allen is out. Dean Wade is out. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's Wade being out. But I, I just don't think they're going to push Love into big minutes. It'll just be Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okora, Karis Levert who take the Wade minutes because Wade's playing the three. So again, I don't, I don't get it. Not one I would add it. But this guy I would, AJ Griffin, a guy that I thought was criminally underdrafted in the draft. I went back and looked at my final mock draft last season. There's some hits and misses on that for sure. I had him at six. It's pretty high. I wonder where he'd go when we do a redraft after this season. He looks really good. And DeAndre Hunter is out. Yes, Bogdan Bogdanovich is back. But I think Griffin's a must roster player for now. But this week, at least, while Hunter's out, I think he also maintains value while Collins is out. Because it, 
even if he doesn't start and Hunter moves back and starts and they keep Jalen Johnson at the four, you will get some smaller lineups of Griffin and Hunter um, playing the three and four together. I really liked AJ Griffin as a value player. I think he's better than DeAndre Hunter already, to be honest. Yes, defensively, Hunter has a few little steps up on him. But overall, for what he means for the offense and the team in general, I'd, I'd probably rather Griffin. So it's a real opportunity here for him. Joe Harris, one of the most added players. This is a schedule-based thing. It's a Simmons injury-based thing. And it's something that I have no business in being interested in long-term. But he's playing 30-plus minutes a night with Simmons out. You're getting 14, 15 points, three to four to five triples. That has that little bit of value short-term. So I, I don't hate that one. And then Walker Kessler, one of the most added players. The big fella. If you're looking for blocks, there's no better guy out there. Um, just after the trend, I was finally in on the trend. Go, well, they're just going to play Jared Vanderbilt 24 minutes a night. It's going to happen every night, no matter for foul trouble, no matter what. And that means Kessler's minutes going to push up. And of course, last game, Vanderbilt played 31 minutes, hit like five triples and put up huge numbers, which, of course, it destroys that theory. Now, Kessler still played 18 minutes and had three, three blocks in that game. Um, and he is worth holding for now, but it is frustrating to see that little trend, which was established and I'd finally given into it, You'll be blown up in just one game. Another highly added player is Andrew Nempard of the Indiana Pacers. I think Nempard's going to lock in as a starter here. We know from Carlisle's time in Dallas that he does enjoy running with multiple point guards in the lineup. The only guy that's pushing Nempard is Aaron Neesmith. I don't think there's any chance of Benedict Matherin starting anytime soon, to be honest. And Nempard's a guy who can get some rebounds, but more importantly, like he had like a 10 assist game the other day. And finding assists is bloody difficult. Shoot threes, score a little bit, get some boards, get some steals, get some assists. I'm in on him as at least a 14-team league guy. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't dislike Andrew Nempard as a 12-team league player at the moment. I'm not fully around on projecting him as like a top 120 guy or anything like that as we move forward. But the trajectory which with which things are going, 30 minutes a night over the last three games, you have five assists, a steal shooting 40% from three for the season. You're, all of that stuff is obviously really valuable and getting ahead of the curve to wait wait for him to establish a little bit more means you might miss out. So I do think that Nempard is, it's worth taking a flyer on what he's doing. The last three games, 29, 27, 35, there is three games back from injury. The, there's no, the only player that can come back that can impact it is Chris Duarte. And I'm not sure that Duarte is a better player than Nembard, to be honest. I'm not, but I'm not a big, um, I'm not, I wasn't a big Nembard fan either. But I'm not a big Duarte fan. I don't know why we've got Joe Harris on this list twice. Apologies for that. Jose Alvarado, that's a streamer for the time being. I don't really love that as a as a great ad. I'm going to throw another name on this list just because I doubled up on Joe Harris. Um, Cameron Payne's one of the most added players. I, uh, what? He's only 61% rostered Payne. And people have just decided now to add him. Why? Because Yay tweeted about Chris Paul. I. Why would you have left Cameron Payne on the waiver wire for three weeks and add him now? Did that ha- is that how long it took people to get get trustworthy in him? Anyway, what a stupid name on that is on the list. And Dan Gafford, one of the most added players. I know last game was really good for Gafford. He and Pozingas played together a lot, and Gafford blocked six shots. The previous games, he was playing eight minutes a night. I don't really know what it means for where where Gafford sits. Are they going to do this double big lineup, which they had done exactly like zero minutes? Not exactly. Make close to zero minutes before last game. If I look at Gafford's playing time, it's like, here we go. 6, 4, 8, 10, 8, 6, 17, 10, 24. 
Like the 24 stands out. Is it a trend? It was a game where Avdia played nine minutes. It's a game where, what else happened? They reduced um, Jordan Goodwin's minutes and they went big instead of small against the Hornets, which again, doesn't really make sense. I don't know that it's something they continue with. Now, Gafford is a good fantasy player in good minutes. So much like we talk about Nampard, if you want to get ahead of a trend, maybe. I, I just I just don't really see it. It, it could happen. I, I just, I feel like I'd be pretty surprised if we get 20 minutes a night from Gaff and they go double big this whole time. Today's episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasional budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classical luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Or test drive that new electric vehicle that you've been eyeing off to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Let's look at the most dropped players over the last yeah, period of time. Number one, most of these I'm going to agree with. Number one is uh, Thad Young, basically pushed out of the rotation now. Um, yeah, if he was starting and playing 26 a night, you hold. Anytime you're on the bench, you can go from four minutes to 10 minutes to 16 minutes. It's literally not worth it. He's not worth holding. See you later. Dorian Finney-Smith, one of the best schedule screens, streams when the Mavericks have that good schedule. And when they don't, he's putrid. So you don't have to hold on to him. He's a clear drop. Tory Craig's hurt. When guys are hurt and they are borderline 12 team anyway, I don't think you should care about holding them. And that's totally okay. Well, Denny Avdia, that's a reaction to the nine minutes last game. I do not understand what Wes Unsell does half the time. But we've really only seen Avdia be able to thrive when a starter is out. The starters are back. He's losing minutes. He might not even be a starter anymore. So yeah, move on. Grayson Allen. Just look at those names there. Grayson Allen, Malik Beasley, right? That's the, that's the thing. When these guys get hot, it's great. When they cool off, it's bad. And that is just going to... And it's going to happen to, say, Tim Hardaway Jr. It's going to happen to these guys that get hot and have these little hot streakers shooting guards and have very little else to fall back on. They're going to cool off. And that happened to Grayson with um, Chris Middleton back. And Beasley's cooled off a little bit as well. Now, I, I would have Beasley in a 12-team league still. I would hold him until at least Conley comes back. But this is what happens. Mo Wagner. Okay, so I get it. He was a stream for last game. He started the last two and played 36 and 22 minutes. They don't play again until Monday. But Wendell Carter's going to be out again. There's a chance that Bumber, KK, and Harris and Suggs are out again. So Wagner probably starts again. It wasn't the best game for him against the Raptors. But with, yeah, again, six potential rotation players out, there's a real chance that we get Wagner starting and Wagner putting up okay numbers. I wouldn't have been so quick to drop him. He's not a long-term option, but I wouldn't have been so quick to drop him. And Chris Boucher getting dropped. Yeah, he needs someone to be out. Simple as that. He gets 20 minutes a night and all the starters are healthy. And now he's got to share bench touches with Gary Trent. 
nah, I'm not interested in Chris Boucher in that sort of situation. Now, if you're in a spot where you can stash and hold and wait for an injury, then sure, his value does rise, but it's going to be lots of ups and downs for Boucher. And I just think the amount of players you can find off the waiver wire whenever that does happen, even if you do miss Boucher, there'll be someone else that comes up. There'll be someone else that comes up. There'll be AJ Griffin. There'll be you know, Tim Hardaway. There'll be Andrew Nempard. These guys will just appear due to injuries and opportunities that arise through the seasons that holding on through the down periods. And like the argument can be made, man, I really want to hold Boucher. Yeah, because when someone gets hurt, he will pop off. That's true, but what if that happens in six weeks and you're dealing with the 190th best player for six weeks and then you get a one-week stretch of top 100 value? Is that actually worth it? Or is it better to drop him, churn through top 100 numbers for six weeks, then someone gets hurt and you try to grab him. If you don't, you just get the next guy. I, I think the latter th- strategy is probably better, but there are others who will really enjoy a stash. And people will do that with like campaign that I just mentioned before. There's going to be plenty of people who picked him up. I still stunned at how few have, but there are going to be people who pick him up and hold him and go, well, Chris Paul's going to have rest days. Chris Paul's going to be extra cautious. He's going to be on limited minutes. And then when that happens, I'm going to ride pain to glory. But the problem is he's going to be like outside the top 200 in all those other games. And is that actually worth it? I'm not sure. Probably not. That's how I view it. Let's go to a different thing now, droppable players. These are guys, again, let me rephrase this. Droppable does not equal must drop. It does not mean you have to drop these players. It means that if they are on your roster and you're in a 10, you're in a 12-team league, maybe a 14-team league, and they're on your roster, you should look at it and go, huh, does he need to be on my roster? Is it worth streaming? Is it worth stashing someone else? Is this guy going to return enough value for me to hang on to them through everything? And these are the guys where I think the answer is no. Max Struess, the Winter Soldier, it's been great for Struder. He's been really, really good at times, but he is a points and threes guy when it all boils down to it. And now that the Heat are getting healthy, for now, we're seeing a little bit of a reduction in what Struess can do. They were absolutely smashed, the Heat. You had Vincent out, you had Depot still out, you had Butler out, you had Hero out, you had Bam on the injury report. So he was playing 38 minutes a night. And on a healthy team, he doesn't start. He plays 27 minutes and he's not worth it. Again, it's a little bit of that, who do I hold and wait for Butler to go down? Maybe. But yeah, you've got to debate that on your own team. I think a similar thing with Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker is settling back into being the exact player that he was in San Antonio. A guy who can score sporadically, who can shoot well sporadically, who does nothing else ever. No rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Subpar free throws, subpar field goals. Not a great three-point shooter but really got by at the start of the year on some outsized usage and well better than career number efficiency numbers. But with Dennis Schroeder back, we are seeing a little bit of that usage between those two get split. And Walker sits out there getting 14, one and one with one triple on 43%. And it's just not good enough. It just doesn't make sense in a 12 team league. In a points league, I can sort of get it a little bit more, but I wouldn't be holding on to him through everything. Reggie Jackson, I bring him up because he is rostered in over 60% of leagues. He's just bad. Like, there will be games where he plays 38 minutes and he has 25 points on 65% shooting. You guys see how good I was for holding on to him. But there's all the 6.12% shooting games mixed in there. And overall, I just don't think he's got really a chance to sniff in the top 150. There'll be ups and downs with everybody. But I don't think it's worth holding on to Reggie Jackson. And then the depressed penis, Sadiq Bay. These first four names are more category league specific, but even in points leagues. Like, Lonnie has a little bit more boost in points leagues. But none of these guys, I don't think, are must-roster guys. The depressed penis, Sadiq Bay, he's on the bench. Right, he is on the bench. And he we're still dealing with situations where Jaden Ivey was is back now, but Bay is not getting 30 minutes. He's not even sniffing 30 minutes. Now, we'll see what happens with Isaiah Livers out for a little bit of time. But 
it feels like he's being heavily deprioritized. He's not a great per minute player anyway, and he does need big usage and big minutes to really even get close to being a top 90 player. And I just don't think he's going to get them. I, I don't really rate him as a player or a fantasy producer. I have no problem dropping him. In points leagues, Derek White's putting up some really good category numbers. Absolutely no question about that. I still have some concerns about White maintaining that. Maximum Derek. Because he's getting like 25 minutes a night. And when Rob Williams comes back, does he lose a little bit there? I am a bit worried about that, but I probably would hold in a 12-team category. In a points league, like he's not not remotely close to a top 100 player. So, and it's had, he's had a lot of scenarios where things have gone right to get in those numbers. I don't really think it's worth it. Brandon Clark just absolutely does not need to be rostered in any 12-team format anywhere. And then you've got Sadiq Bay and Max Struess, who just really don't need to be held in any 12-team league either. On the other side of things, on the must-roster side of things, that's where we're at. In terms of these guys, if they are on your waiver wire, I think in any 12-team league, or sorry, in 12-team leagues, or probably even 10-team leagues, these are guys that I project to have top 100 value for the rest of the season, give or take. And they're available in over 20% of leagues. Again, for most of you, they'll be rostered already. But for some of you, they won't. And I'll just keep putting Kelly Linick on this list until he hits 80%. I don't know why he hasn't. I don't know. He's 25% of the leagues um, not active. 70% of leagues on ESPN not active. Kelly Linick's a top 100 player. He's a top 70 player this season. There's zero excuse for him sitting on the waiver wire unless your league is literally inactive. I would love to know if there's anyone who is listening to this show or watching this show that has Kelly Linick available as a free agent. Surely not. Surely not. But if you do, please let me know. Josh Hart, Killian Hayes, I think, has moved into that territory. Yes, a little bit because of last game, but it had been trending up before that. And the fact that I just don't think Cade's going to play. I don't know that for sure. And I would, I do have Cade in leagues, and I am not dropping him because I am just not sure. And I don't want to drop Cade Cunningham. I'd love an update, but yeah, at this point, I'm probably clinging on to 10% hope. Uh, that's about it, I reckon. And I think Hayes is that really good value. And Kevin Herter, he'd been dropped in a few spots. Now, the regression was always going to hit with Herter. We talked about this a million times. It's not going to be a 50% three-point shooter, guaranteed. And it's fallen off, and the ranking numbers have gone with it. I still think he's a must-roster player, but people have actually dropped him. So if he was dropped, just go on at him. In points leagues, Jaden Ivey is a must-roster player very easily. In a category league, I can get not doing it because of the deleterious effect of his percentages. Mitch Robinson's a must-roster player in points leagues. He is in category leagues as well. Killian Hayes there as well. And then Aaron Gordon. I don't know why he would be available in over 20% of leagues, but he is. And he needs to be rostered. He is cooling off after a hot, hot start. But that doesn't matter. You've got to roster him. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for all professional and amateur leagues out there. From football to basketball, soccer, esports, they've got it all at betonline.net, including the FIFA World Cup, which, of course, is dead to everybody now that the Australian team is out. NFL Sunday Night Football, as my screen just disappears, we've got the Colts and the Cowboys. The Cowboys are 10.5-point favorites. I wonder how Jeff Sunday Night is going to go in this one for the Colts. Can he get them within 10.5 points? We will find out, and you can find out all of the odds for all of the NFL action over at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's look at hot players. These are all guys that are over the top. Well, last week, they're top 100 players. And what do we need to do with them, if anything? Jordan McLaughlin. 
Hmm. The Minnesota situation is interesting. As I thought might be the case, when Jaden McDaniels came back, Kyle Anderson went to the bench. And they kept Wendell Moore in there, not Austin Rivers. But what also happened is that Jordan McLaughlin returned in the same game and played more minutes than Jalen Noel. If they're going to run McLaughlin and Russell together, and McLaughlin might be a better point guard than Russell, but if they're going to run McLaughlin and Russell together, and he gets 25 a night, huh, it's at least... I'd grab him in all 16s. I'd consider it in 14s. And I would really closely watch Jordan McLaughlin in 12-10 leagues. He could be the surprise winner ahead of a Jalen Noel in the Carl Anthony Towns injury. Andrew Nemhard's a top 100 player, as I said. Yeah, I think, I think you grab him. Jeremiah robinson Earl snuck into the top 100 over the last week. And he looks, fingers crossed, touch wood. It's going to go tits up when I say this. But the role looks consistent. He's a good steals guy, solid field goal percentage guy, might block a shot, a few rebounds. He's not going to sex you up or anything like that. He's not great. He's not going to blow up for a 20 and 20 game. But he's just a little chipping away, accumulation with consistency. Prior, it was 29 minutes, 12 minutes. And you go, I can't deal with this bullshit. But now it's 26, 26, 27, 28, 26, 28, 28. They're made up numbers. But I reckon if I go and have a look at his actual playing log, it'll get close. Let's have a look. How close was I? 29, 26, 34, 24, the last four games. But there was an 18 in there five games ago. So it's still a bit of a worry. But it is trending in the right direction. And then Jarrett Culver is in the top 100. Yes, Jarrett Culver. Now, he started last game because Trey Young was out. The game before that, he got extra minutes because both Young, uh, sorry, both um, Griffin, Collins, and then also Jalen Johnson was out. So he played there. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. Those numbers would suggest he is, but he isn't. There's a lot of context involved in that. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to maintain 12-team league value unless, for some reason, Trey Young's shoulder slash maybe team suspension, maybe, um, continues. But deeper leagues, these guys are all available in over 90% of leagues. I think Jeremy Sohan's a 14-team league guy despite the injury. I think Torian Prince is going to be a 14-team league guy, but they're both injured players. They should be back pretty soon. And it does require a little bit of um, buffering to be able to hold on to them. But I think they're 14-team league guys. I think Naz Reed's a 16-team league player. And yes, his numbers recently are 12-team. Because he's blocking tons of shots. But one of those games, Gobert was ejected after nine minutes. And one of them, Gobert fouled out in 22 minutes. And that's how Reed got the minutes. Not playing next to Gobert. Not taking Towns' role. Be aware of that before getting suckered into adding Naz Reed. Bruno Fernando, I think, is a 16-team league player. Why? Because Steven Silas is committing to playing him. And it's frustrating. And I wouldn't be shocked if we get a situation where Fernando starts a second half over Shangun coming up and then does move into the starting line. I'll be annoyed, but we're seeing Shangun get benched significantly. And one of the things that I find really interesting about talking about the Shangun situation and me talking about Silas being a terrible coach is the Silas defenders can't even get their story straight. I don't expect them to be you know, talk to each other and defend it. But when the reason for the benchings are diametrically opposed, something is wrong. And this is what I mean by that. Yeah, you'll get half of the people defending Silas and telling me, well, they want to tank. Have you have you ever heard of Victor Wembanyama? Nah, nah, fucking never heard of him. Who? What? Vic, Victor Wembanyama? No, never. Never heard of them. Like, yeah, I've heard of Victor Wembanyama. Um, I know that the Rockets would love to get him. I also know that, you know, they, they, they don't, they're not, I don't know, they're not going to win games, even if they play these guys. They're not going to win games. And, Bad coaching habits and bad rotations cost the development of players. Like, if you are going to have that same energy while well, they need to lose, why is Jalen Green playing 35 minutes a night? Why is Kevin Porter playing 35 minutes a night? For what possible reason is Eric Gordon playing 30 minutes a night? 
if that's your reason, because Silas is coaching and benching Shingun so that they can get Wembenyama, right? Okay. If that's that's the reason, by all means. But then the other reason comes out, well, they're, they're benching him because of his terrible defense. Didn't you see? They put Fernando in and they went on a run and they were able to win that game against Phoenix. So they're either benching Shingun so they can lose or they're benching Shingun so they can win. Both can't be true. And the reason, and the fact that you've got a, a split audience suggesting that means that this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And it doesn't matter. Like wins and losses, yes, losses would be great. But development and seeing what your players can give and seeing what they are so you know how to build is the most important thing. It's not about trying to lose. It's not about trying to win. Yeah, so that, yes, you do try to win. But the most of the priority should be development. And that is what my frustration is. Anyway, Gary Harris, I think, is a 12-team league player. No, I don't. No, I don't. Scratch that. A 16-team league player. 16-team league player. Who might get into 14-team league discussion, but his hammy's hurt. Obi Toppin. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. Good 16-team league guy. Gabe Vincent's a good 16-team league guy, but the Heat have the brilliant schedule this week. You could stream him in 12s. And then Corey Kispert, who I've got labeled as a 16-team league guy. I think he's going to start for the Wizards really soon. And that pushes him into the Malik Beasley, maybe Jalen Noel territory as a points and threes guy for even 14-team leagues. Let's look at some other names that bear mentioning here before we go. Jalen Johnson, I think he's a 12-team league ad. I think he's got less value than AJ Griffin. But if he's going to start while Hunter and, and Collins are out, then yeah, look, we grab him for 12-team leagues. Timmy Hardaway Jr. is a must-roster player at the moment. More, most important is the minutes and the shots are there. Now, they won't go in at the rate that they have. He's doing that thing. Hey, more opportunity and high percentages makes him look way better than he is. But, you know, the fact that he's getting those minutes means you get him, you ride it, and you see where it goes. TJ Warren came out with really high usage in that first game, only played 17 minutes. I'm still relatively skeptical about him as a 12-team league player. I think he's probably, at best case, going to float at the back end of those leagues. I wouldn't be prioritizing him personally. I just have very little faith in the bloke not playing for that long and getting enough touches to be useful, but we'll see. Jalen Noel had a really good game the first game without Townsend, struggled the next one. I think the uh, return of McDaniels and McLaughlin are going to have an impact on him, and I'm not sure that he's a must-roster 12. Um, Wendell Moore Jr. is starting, so if you're in deeper leagues, 18 and 20s, Wendell Moore as a starter, at least a short-term ad there. They've got the two magic point guards, Fultz and Anthony. Um, I still think Fultz is the better option, but it's really, really close, and it's going to get further complicated when Harrison Suggs returns. And I'm just, again, I'll just continue to say it. I, I don't know. It can go any way, and it can change every night. I don't have strong opinions on either of those guys. One's a points and threes guy, Anthony, and one's like a steals and assists guy in Fultz. So use that to determine who you're adding. And then the last guy is Kemba Walker, who Nico Harrison said, yeah, how's Kemba's knee? Asked in an interview, he said, oh, it's not good. Cool. Then why did you sign him? And you guys should take that uh, little bit of information that Nico Harrison provided. You can go, oh, I don't want to roster Kemba Walker. I don't know where he fits. I don't know how he gets 20 minutes on this team. And I don't know how he impacts a fantasy squad. So follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And when you're here on YouTube, why don't you thumb it up? Leave those comments down below. Subscribe. Notification bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.